everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the superbly super Jonathan Strickland. Hey, y'all. What's going on this side? Uh, uh, am I? Are you talking to our audience? Or are you talking to me? And then if you're talking to our audience, are you expecting them to answer you? They, they have had plenty of instructions on how they can participate. Listen, and, it takes and, a lot of resources fact, to reach you, my friend. I, I, the, the things that are worth doing, <laughs> worth putting a little elbow <laughs> grease into is what I'm saying. Now, y'all might recognize that I just got back from the South by Southwest, uh, that their, <laughs> that their conference <laughs> in the Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, it rubbed South off on me a little Southwest. bit. Yeah, your your uh, Texas accent's getting real good there. Yeah, <laughs> it's not at all inauthentic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're gonna talk a little bit about some stuff that happened at South by Southwest. I, sadly, I didn't get to see it till after I got back, mm, but <laughs> yeah, but it did happen. Uh, and we're just gonna jump right into our thirty seconds or less because we've got a, a a good handful of stories to cover today. Yes. So I will get started now. So that South by Southwest stuff I was talking about, Disney showed up and showed off a couple of things at the conference, including a Tinkerbell effect where an, an uh, Tinkerbell, not an actor playing Tinkerbell, but Tinkerbell can appear as actual life-size Tinkerbell, that meaning fairy size, and things like a little lantern and fly around. It's essentially telepresence technology used to create a magical character interaction. Look really cute on stage they also showed off a judy hops robot on rollerblades that demonstrated how robots can really elicit an emotional response even if they don't look totally cartoonish and these could be potential things we might see incorporated in the parks in the future yes all right uh next we got news that the wicked part one movie based off of the musical wicked uh novel by i can't i was gonna do like some push sapphire but whatever it's a bad reference okay anyhow uh wicked movie part one is getting moved up from december 25th 2024 to november 27th 2024 i guess they figure thanksgiving is better than christmas for people who want to watch this movie um that's yes. maybe 30 seconds <laughs> yeah part part two is actually going to hold on to its date to be around christmas time 2025 so while part one is getting moved up as of now, part two will be holding its date. <laughs> so this one is one that Ariel titled sad news for Jonathan. And I had to click through to find out what it was. The sad you news read the URL. is that I, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't read URLs. We have established this IO interactive. Uh, the video game company is not developing, not currently developing another Hitman game which is not actually a big surprise to me they are hard at work on a james bond themed game which i imagine is going to pull liberally from the work they've done with the hitman series and they also have the world of assassination hitman 3 ongoing offering so it's kind of a living game so i'm not entirely shocked that this is happening uh, I do like the hitman series and I do hope that they return to it before too long. But again, not a big surprise. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so Jonathan's not as sad as I thought. Uh, next, we uh, have news about D&D, Honor Among Thieves. They, there was an early screen- screening at South by Southwest, and um, the critic reviews have actually been better than I expected. Not 100%, but it's like 89 right now. However, a couple of things we learned about the movie is, one, uh, there is an Easter egg in the fight scene. If you like the old 80s D&D cartoon like Jonathan and I do, uh, you can see those characters briefly. Uh, and also for Amazon Prime members, there is a preview screening of this movie, which is coming out March 31st on March 19th at select theaters. You can buy your tickets through Amazon.com. Pretty cool. So uh, next up, we have a mysterious Zack Snyder tweet. Ooh. He sent out a message on Twitter that uh, had the caption hashtag full circle. There was a video and in the video you heard uh, a voice say incoming transmission from Lord Darkseid. And then it told you to save the date of April 28th through 30th, 2023. I think we know what that means. Destination wedding. Darkseid's getting hitched. You have been invited. We're all going to get to go and watch those nuptials. Don't know who he's marrying. Any goodness. Uh, could be anybody. But yeah, no, we honestly have no clue what the <laughs> heck is up with this. Zack Snyder has not really been part of the whole DC stuff for a while since he had to step back after after handling a personal tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, we have just a rumor that uh, various actors are in talks to be in Guillermo del Toro's live-action Frankenstein, which is also a rumor. He's kind of been poking at that for a while, but we don't know if that's actually going to be his next live-action thing. But now people are saying that he's talking to Andrew Garfield, Oscar Isaac, and Mia Goth to be in it. Um, Again, total rumor. I'd be all for, uh, I think I've said this before, Guillermo del Toro Frankenstein, and I think those actors would be really good in it. So hopefully this is true. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like it's right in Del Toro's wheelhouse. He's a big fan of monsters. And in most of his monster movies, you find out that the monster isn't the real monster. It's some normal looking human who's the real monster. And that is the story of Frankenstein. So, yeah, I think it would be a perfect fit. Uh, Next up, James Gunn has announced that he will be directing the Superman legacy movie. You know, the one that that a certain Geralt will not be part of. Yeah, uh, this is kind of an interesting announcement because, of course, James Gunn is known for directing the the Guardians of the Galaxy films and the Suicide Squad movie, the the good one, not the bad one. And uh, I'm I don't know how to feel about this because I do trust James Gunn's abilities as a director, but. I also feel that he comes across a bit more cynical and dark than I want my Superman. So I, I know this is 30 seconds or less. I just have to say something in this because I went, read the Hollywood Reporter interview with James Gunn on this. And he was hesitant to write a script for this because he didn't feel like he had a good story. And he wanted to give Superman the respect he deserved as an upstanding character. Um, and then he came up with a, a script idea. And then he even didn't want to direct it. Um like he was hesitant to both write the script and direct it. And it wasn't until he was done with the script that he was like, Oh man, I now I'm really passionate about this story and I want to do it. But he seems like he's really passionate about wanting Superman to be, you know, upstanding and an ideal of a person and like the, the good, bright shining beacon and maybe a world that has become more cynical. So I think he could do something good with it. If he really wants to let Superman be Superman, I am for it. 
sorry, I had to interject that because the, the article is really nice. We'll post it on our website. Okay, next 30 seconds or less. Uh, it looks like uh, John Wick Chapter 4 might be the last chapter for a while. Director Chad Stileski um, said that he and Keanu Reeves are probably done at least for a bit. They're open to possibly more stories, but uh, for now, they're unless they come up with a really good idea, it looks like John Wick is going back into retirement. Um, but, you know, you'll get more in the franchise if you like it because Ballerina's coming out and um, John Wick will be making a cameo in that. So, yeah. Next up, a Japanese filmmaker has recreated or remade the movie Cube. You might remember this independent horror movie where a group of strangers wake up and find themselves trapped inside this cube-shaped maze that keeps shifting around. It's full of deadly traps. Well, there's now a Japanese remake of that, and it's coming to Streambox on April 11th. I watched the trailer for it. It looks like a pretty faithful recreation of the original cube movie. Nice. That's something I haven't seen. Uh... Now that John Rice Davies is back, no, that's not the correct person. <laughs> Russell T. Davies is back in Doctor Who. Oh Lord, help me. Um, we might be getting a spin-off show focused on Unit with Gemma Redgrave as Kate Stewart. She was a really good character in the Doctor Who series. Uh, and if they don't call this new series uh, Total Unit, um, I will be disappointed. Okay. Uh, if John Reese Davies doesn't show up and end up being in that series, I'll be greatly disappointed because I was all Sorry. excited when you started that one off. Okay. Next up, there is a, uh, a rumored television series based off the science fiction film Gattaca that came out many, many years ago. Gattaca is set in a near future world in which uh, humans have figured out how to genetically modify human babies to try and create perfect children, right? People who are not going to have any sort of uh, tendency toward disease, people who are going to be you know, superior in every physical and mental way. And it's a story that follows a, an invalid, someone who hasn't been altered, as he attempts to chase his dream of becoming a space explorer which uh, is impossible without being one of these genetically altered people. That was the film where apparently going to get a television series set in that world, which to me is really interesting because uh, we have a lot of discussions between haves and have nots that are going on today. And I think science fiction always gives us the opportunity to explore those kinds of ideas in interesting ways. Uh Speaking of series, we're getting a series of Lego uh, sets based off of Indiana Jones. We're getting the Escape from the Lost Tomb from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're getting the Temple of the Golden Idol, and we're also getting a fighter plane. They come out on April 1st. Uh, this article from Nerdist says it's not an April Fool's joke. They're kind of smaller sets. I haven't seen the fighter plane, but at least the the temple ones look like smaller sets are only 600 pieces so they aren't as pretty as a lot of their collector sets i don't i don't know how well they'll take off right for adult lego guys but it it, it is nice because it's the first time in 10 years that they've done an indiana jones themed that is true uh, set so it is it, it's cool that it's come back around obviously we're getting the dial of destiny later on 
So I'm sure that this is partly to take advantage of that. But yeah, that's our 30 seconds or less that friendship comes with ups and downs. And now we're going to talk about the stuff, what we've watched. since. Yeah. The last so, time uh, I, I, I've been busy, so my what I've watched has kind of gone around what my husband is also watching. So we started History of the World Part 2. I want to say like 45% of the skits are kind of cute. Some of them really make me laugh. And then some of them I'm like, no, why? Why? Like there's a Typhoid Mary skit that's just, I don't, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Uh, you could probably mm. uh, surmise why, uh, but I'm not going to go into details. Um, you know, it's, it's very Mel Brooks. There are a lot of like really old Mel Brooks sticks in there. Um, but there's also some fun and cute and clever stuff in there. So, you know, really, really good cast. At least the people that they've cast are able to, um, tell his jokes. Well, uh, we also finished uh, season two of Fox Machina, not a kid friendly show for <laughs> any of our families listening who like D and D Fox Machina. Yeah, no, the very the very first episode of season one of Vox Machina makes that yeah. abundantly yeah. clear. Uh, but we finished that and enjoyed that and are looking forward to future stuff. We know we're getting a season three and also a season of The Mighty Nine. And I started Lock. Well, I've almost finished Lockwood and Co., which we talked about in a previous episode. It's the um, kids are ghost fighters corporately mm, in London. Right, right, right. Um, it's based off of a series of books, and I feel like the show misses a little bit of explanation you might get earlier in the books than you do in the series but overall it's a great cast it's a lot of fun it does a really good mix of like uh suspense mystery mixed with some scary like the first episode was kind of scary and then um some comedy it was like it was like stranger things meets umbrella academy so mm. uh, I, i'm enjoying it cool that sounds good. Like I, I have not yet dipped my toe in that. So I, that's, it'll join the list, the ever growing list of things, what I need to watch. And you? Oh, uh, I binged all of the first season of Schmigadoon. Second season's coming out later this year. Uh, Schmigadoon, of course, is the series on Apple TV in which a modern day couple are having some relationship issues. They go on sort of a couple's retreat. They accidentally wander off the beaten path and end up in a land that is uh, modeled after 1950s era musicals like Oklahoma and Brigadoon and uh, Music Man and things like that. And they're trapped there until they can find true love and it's kind of their misadventures in the land of musicals. Uh, the the man in the couple hates musicals and the woman loves them and has, is very knowledgeable about them. Uh, it is it is an entertaining watch. Like it is. It doesn't get as cynical as I thought it might. It's actually pretty sweet. Um, it does have, you know, it, it has a bit of an edge to it, but it's a it's a gentle edge. Like it's not nearly it's it's nothing like what you would see with a Parker and Stone musical, for example, nothing nearly okay. that edgy, uh, but it is it is an enjoyable watch. I also saw the the final episode of The Last of Us season one. And uh, yeah, it, it unfolded as I suspected <laughs> it would. <laughs> they did not depart too much from the source material and it was good. Um, I feel like the first half of that season is stronger than the second half, but I'm. 
that's just my own personal opinion. Like that's, that's how it affected gotcha. me. Like the first half hit me harder than the gotcha. second half. I'm most of the way through episode four. Uh, <laughs> you're still not through episode four, man. You've been on episode four for like four weeks I now. I keep getting called uh, away. And then finally I watched last night. I watched glorious. Uh, I mentioned that one the other day, the trailer for it, where it's about a guy who um, stops at a, a rest stop as he's driving across, you know, miles and miles and miles of road and encounters a Lovecraftian old one style God who's trapped inside a bathroom stall. And boy, does that movie go places I didn't expect it to. It's a movie about going for sure. Uh <laughs> It's listen, I'll say that. Okay. If you're a fan of horror and if you don't mind some fairly juvenile setup, uh, and if you are as particularly a fan of Lovecraftian horror, this movie is, is worth checking out. It does get very gory. I will warn you about that, but I thought like, for for Lovecraftian inspired movies, it's it's up there. It's one of the better ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I have a, a, a because I will never watch Glorious. I've I've watched some other Lovecraftian dorky movies, but I won't watch Glorious. I just I know myself. Uh, but back to Schmigadoon. How does it does it fill the hole that Gallivant left behind? Um. I think it's less cynical than Gallivant was. Oh. I think Gallivant got a little too smarmy cynical at points. Like I liked Gallivant. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it felt like it was a little too self-aware. This, this felt like I think Gallivant's its own thing. I think Schmigadoon, uh, if you're looking for a clever musical series, it hits that okay. like, especially if you're a fan of those classic musicals. Cause you will recognize every single time they're drawing from a musical, particularly the music man. That's the one that I think comes through that in Oklahoma are the two that come through the most, I would say. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's really like, if you are at all a fan of musicals, Schmegadoon is fun. And I think Schmicago is going to be a real blast because they're going to be pulling from things like Pippin cabaret uh, uh, Chicago, that kind yeah. of stuff. Cool. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, we have, as usual, we have our 30 seconds or less news. We now have some actual bigger, like news item, uh, bigger is the wrong word. Uh, news items that we feel like we couldn't keep to 30 seconds or less to talk about. Um, and they're going from cynical to probably not at all cynical. Um, yeah. Well, they, they range the spectrum. Yeah. They're not organized. In that no, way. <laughs> no. Uh, so the Oscars happened over this last weekend and they were um, pretty good. You know, some you know, Brendan Fraser won an Oscar and um, everything everywhere all at once won a whole bunch of Oscars and RRR won best song. It was a one of the better Oscar shows, I feel like. Um, <clears throat> but during that, we got a new trailer for The Little Mermaid. Yes. And we actually get to see Ursula mm -hmm. in this one. And, uh, you know, I thought it looked great. Like I thought, wow, it looks really good. I mean, it does look like it's going to possibly, I, I could see people arguing that it, 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 it holds too close to the source material that being the Disney animated little mermaid, because a lot of the stuff is like almost like a shot for shot recreation. And, 
I see that and I can't deny it. Right. Like that, this trailer did have a lot of moments where I'm like, yeah, this feels like they just took the original animated film and used that as their storyboard for this movie. Yeah. And that I think is unfortunate because I think it would have been better if they had made some different choices just for things like cinematography and stuff. Just change it up. You've got the freedom. You should do that, uh, in my opinion. But otherwise, I thought like all the performances and stuff look good. And I think a lot of the complaints I see still smack of bad faith arguments. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it looked good. Again, I saw the previous trailer on the big screen when I saw Ant-Man in the quantum verse, quantum mania, whatever it's called. Uh, it And it looked great on the big screen, too. Um, it's got to veer a little bit because everything we've heard up to this point is that, you know, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is working on it and coming up with some new songs. Where are they going to put those new songs if they don't veer a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, there's going to be some new material. I think maybe it's just that the trailer leaned a little too hard on the familiar stuff. and. I mean, if there's a lot more departures, then that's fine for me. I think that that would be good. But uh, maybe it's one of those things where they wanted to lean hard on, to to get into that nostalgia space. I mean, it worked. And just show. <laughs> well, kind of, but it also doesn't work, right? Because it adds fuel to the people who are like, why are you doing it this way? Because you could just watch the original movie. And I think that there are some validity mm. to that argument, right? Where you're apart from the fact that this does allow for a different casting of Ariel, where you're able to get some diversity and representation in a film that had none of that in the first run. So that I think is a valid argument too. It's just, I don't know. I hate seeing it stick so closely to some of the shots of the uh, animated film Mm -hmm. because I think it does fuel some of those bad faith arguments. And also I just, I'm like, come on, you could make other choices. I mean, I get that. I get that. But I, just for me, for the trailer, having those scenes that I've seen before did excite me. I do want it to be different. I don't want it to be 100% the same. You know, I'm one of those people who at a period in my life hated the little mermaid because I was like, she has absolutely no repercussions for her bad decisions. <laughs> like, but uh, at least in the Disney version, um, I've grown since then. Uh, I still don't think it's the best I, version of the story, but I mean, I'm okay with her not being turned into a cloud of mist at the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, it's just, and I get like, it's a story about forgiveness, but I don't know. I've, I feel like there's less, I don't know. I don't know. It's not the strongest, but it is fun. It is fun. It's a really fun. I see what you're saying though. Cause I I feel very similarly to Disney snow white. The fact that the stepsisters don't have their eyes pecked out by birds. is One of the, that's what I meant. Cinderella. (laughs) Yes. That the fact that the stepsisters don't have their eyes pecked out by birds is one of my biggest disappointments. Yeah. Well, it's just more of like, I don't know. There, there are certain Disney films where it deals with rebellious teenagers where I'm like, that's great. That's that's true to real life, right? Um, and it's fine that parents have forgiveness because parents should be understanding that these kids are trying to find their own way in the world. And that's great. And Ariel's dad is definitely stubborn. At the same time, she she doesn't have like a repentant arc. And so I feel like it's a little one-sided. Um, and there's not growth on her part. That's all. I mean, she does. She does learn the valuable lesson of don't enter into an agreement with a sea witch. When is just on the line? 
Um, uh, hey, how about how about we talk about God versus AI? That's much better. Uh, was that did I finish that quote correctly? That was close. Oh, I was just trying to quote Princess Bride and I failed. Okay. Uh, no, no, it was pretty much the same. So there was a trailer for a Peacock show coming out that came out called The Cheat Show. This is I'm doing real good. The show is called Mrs. Davis. And it's about yeah. an AI that wants this nun to look for the Holy Grail, but it's also trying to take over the world. And from there, it gets weird. Yeah, no, it. I got a request for one of my other shows to do an ad spot for this series. But the the pitch that I was given was very bare bones and just talked about uh, a nun versus AI, essentially. And and I had no idea of what to expect. And then Ariel shared the trailer with me and I watched it and I thought, this is banana. It is so, so weird looking, uh, not in a bad way, but just in a, I can't believe this got made kind of way mm, Yeah, where it, it's, it's in turns like dramatic and action packed and campy. And, you know, you have like the sci-fi black mirror kind of aspect of an AI that everyone is embracing, but is uh, not so secretly trying to undermine everything. But everyone's so attached to it, like so addicted to using it that they're not either they're not aware of it or they're willing to overlook it. And um, yeah, it's super, super duper weird. But like I said, when I watched this trailer, I was like, well, I color me intrigued yeah same same like i i don't know if it's gonna be any good but it, it is definitely intriguing i got from the trailer kind of like legion vibes just with the comfortability the characters had and uh, in bizarre settings that felt disjointed and they could have just felt disjointed because they were clips in a trailer and we weren't following the full story but um i i got a little bit of like legion vibes from it so yeah yeah, it's um, I mean, I, I say, like, pull up the trailer and watch it. See if that if it looks like it's kind of your bag, because uh, I mean, I, I can't say that this feels like it's right in my wheelhouse for stuff I love, but it has enough weird components to it that makes me interested in in learning more, at least to watch an episode or two and find out if I'm vibing with it. Yeah, yeah, The ne there's no good segue. Oh, well, actually, there is. Okay, so a lot of people think God is your maker. Uh, so our next story is about Meet Your Maker, <laughs> which is a video game. <laughs> wow, you, you just get better and better at this, Ariel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is this is a this is a game where where players can design, uh, essentially design levels, and other players can try to navigate through those levels, and so it, it's pitting players against each other in kind of a, a dungeon designer versus dungeon explorer kind of way. Yeah. I mean, I know Fortnite kind of did that a little bit and I think maybe G pub did too, but uh, this is, this is definitely uh, stronger on the Minecraft build your arena um, aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, considering how creative people can get in things like Minecraft, I imagine that if this game gets a decent following, you're going to see some truly devious level designs. And um, 
you know, I, I watch people who are really skilled at playing games. I am not, I love playing games. I am not skilled. Like I, I definitely am not a high echelon gamer. I just enjoy playing. Uh, but I, I suspect there will be games or people who will create, you know, environments where I'll just say, well, this is impossible. And then I could go on YouTube and see someone like, clear it in 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> it'll just make me lose so my frustrating mind. uh great for them frustrating for me uh where everything yes. is supposed to come easy right away uh <laughs> agreed I, I am so frustrated that that's not how life is yeah yeah um it definitely has like a a, a grungier sort of aesthetic to it than minecraft or Fortnite. um you know yeah more, more like a borderlands sort of a yeah i think um you know there's plenty of space for this kind of gameplay. And, you know, sometimes the aesthetic is the big thing that sets it apart because aesthetic can really inform tone and that in turn can, can really change the feel of a game, even if the mechanics are not that dissimilar to other games. So uh, I don't know that I'll play this one, but I probably will be checking out like level design tutorials and stuff like that on YouTube just to see how people take the tools and, and get creative with them. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, next we have a trailer for a Netflix movie, I believe called Chupa Mm -hmm. about a cute Chupacabra. A bunch of my friends saw this, uh, this trailer and were like, do they, do the people who make this, did they not understand conversation, conversational Spanish because chupa means sucker. If you watch the trailer, they actually address that in the trailer. Sorry. Yeah. They, they call it out. It is like, it's, it's got Spanish speaking cast and crew. So it's not, it's not like this is a bunch of gringos who came in and decided that they were going to do Harry and the Hendersons, but with a chupacabra, uh, it has a more diverse cast and crew that decided they were going to do Harry and the Hendersons, but with the Chupacabra. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's like the trailer shows that it's, uh, this very cute young critter that they figure is a Chupacabra that this family kind of adopts and tries to nurse back to health and protect from people who would, otherwise attempt to uh to capture and or destroy this thing so it does fall into like the same sort of category for me as movies like et and harry and the Mm -hmm. hendersons i i will admit if they hadn't told me that the creature was a chupacabra i would not have thought it was neither would i i like it it looks like a weird little mythological creature but i wouldn't have nailed it as a chupacabra yeah i mean i guess it could be vaguely mangy dog but it's not quite mangy dog enough because chupacabra yeah chupacabras range from like mangy dogs that you actually see who just don't have a lot of hair and are kind of skinny to like lizard dogs with spikes yeah i was was about to say like reptilian type creatures yeah yeah of course chupacabra itself means goat sucker uh, and as far as I saw in this trailer, there were no goats that were drained of blood. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's just a little misunderstood guy. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just Stitch. Uh, yeah. yeah, essentially, yeah. Lilo and Stitch is another great example of a film that, that it falls into that tradition. Yeah. Uh, but it looks cute. Like, it yeah. looks like it's a cute little heartfelt film. And I think, you know, every generation needs its version of E.T. or Harry and the Hendersons or Lilo and Stitch. And be- I, until we get the live action Lilo and Stitch, this will do. And I do like that this is um, 
dealing with mythos that is not set in the United States specifically. It yes. seems Mexico. So, um, well, not, not just not only in the United States, but not like European because, mm-hmm. you know, typically the films we see, it's, it's a lot of the, uh, either the, the people of the United States or the people who came over to the U S and were the ancestors to the people who are now in the United States. And you rarely get to see stuff that is from other cultures. So to get something like this is, uh, is cool because you get, you do get that different style, mm-hmm. right. And you know, a slightly different take on the, uh, granted we have to admit it's a story that's been told many, many times as we've mentioned, but you're going to get it with a different approach and a different point of view. And mm-hmm. I think that makes it more interesting. I agree. Uh, our ne- we have another couple trailers. Our next trailer is for the big door prize, which I'm going to tell you at first, I thought it was uh, the show that's coming out where Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey live on a ranch together. That's not what it is. It's just by the same creator, apparently. <laughs> um, no, this is one. This is one where Chris O'Dowd, who you might remember as, uh, Roy from the IT crowd. I remember him as the guy who sat across from me in in the flight down to Austin, Texas, this Aww. past week. Uh, yeah, I saw Chris O'Dowd on the plane. Didn't get a chance to talk to him, which is a shame because at one point I saw that his tablet wasn't working, and I just wanted to say, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" Yeah, good, but, good. Uh, I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> me too, because he probably would have turned to me and said, "I will troll you off the plane." Uh, <laughs> That's but, almost uh, as good yeah. as your Texas accent. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's well, I don't know what to say thanks or ouch. Uh, so, yeah, the the big door prize, it looks like from the trailer that it, like get. a Well, first of all, the word the big kind of <laughs> kind of made me laugh because it did remind me a little bit of big with the, you know, the Zoltan fortune teller type thing. Uh, this this town gets this this almost like it's a fortune telling machine where it you step up to it, you put your hands on it, it prints out a card that supposedly tells you something important about yourself. It gives you a discovery about yourself. And the Chris O'Dowd's character is, is apparently reluctant to take part in this. He doesn't see that there's anything wrong with the way he's living his life currently. And the rest of the town is really getting excited about it. And everyone else is kind of flocking to this machine. And, it just looks interesting. Like it looks like the, the, the science fiction trappings are there to facilitate the story, but the story isn't about the science fiction trappings. And again, to me, like those are some of the best science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. It, it seems like his character kind of sticks with the no in the trailer, at least no, I didn't dream big and I haven't really questioned my happiness, but I'm also kind of okay with that. Like (laughs) I have a good, like, yeah. It, cause yeah. And that's a, the occasional sci-fi story, but so many more times we get the, Oh, small town person just didn't dream big enough. And now their life is completely changed. I like, I'm really interested. I mean, you look at like the, the recent Disney films, for example, and it's, it's full of characters who feel they've been constrained into a a small reality, but their dreams and their heart are so much bigger. Like Moana is an example, mm-hmm. right? Turning red is an example. You get these, these, these stories where it's all about someone who is not content with what they have. 
and they want so much more. I mean, Beauty and the Beast has a freaking song about yeah. it. <laughs> like there's, and, and it's really, really condescending to all the locals of that yeah, town. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of someone who's like, I'm content. I'm, you know, am I, am I living the most adventurous life? No, but uh, do I like the life I live? And if the answer is yes, then, you know, why should I be pushed to want something more if I'm happy with what I have? And I'm curious where this movie goes, because it's not clear from yeah. the trailer. If Is it going to go or the series, I should say, is it going to go in a direction where he does feel that he has limited himself and that he opens himself up? Or does it ultimately get to where he's decided that he's content with what he has and he doesn't have need of this external force pushing him to do more. And I think either way could be interesting. I agree. I agree. Uh, I am very interested in this much more than the sh TV show about Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey living on a ranch together. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're living on a ranch and they're hoping to win a big door, then that would make sense to call it the big door prize. That is true. Uh, we also got a final trailer for the super Mario movie. This one actually kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Not going to lie. Yeah, I, I agree. I felt like this one had a little more humor. I mean, it was, it was more Luigi and uh, Bowser heavy than, than Mario heavy. Also, you had a little bit of princess peach in there. So I got to hear my girl Anya Taylor joy. <laughs> Shout out to my girlfriend. Uh, no. <laughs> Why? Listen, just cause she doesn't know who I am and wouldn't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that you're speechless after I make a casual joke. No, about no. Anya Taylor I was Joy trying to, I was adult. trying to come up with something <laughs> clever, but nothing clever came to my brain. Story uh, of there, my life. <laughs> I will say this, like, like it's funny because I mean, maybe I just, maybe it was just the sound on my computer when I watched it. But while I know it's Jack Black doing the voice of Bowser, it didn't sound like super Jack Black to me. No, it didn't. And even though I know that it's um, Charlie Day doing the voice of Luigi, it didn't sound super Charlie Day to me. See, I, I could pick out Charlie Day better than I could Jack Black. Like there were little turns of phrase that Bowser said where I said, OK, yeah, they're starting to get. But it sounds to me like like at least in the bits we saw that Jack yeah. Black was kind of holding back on his Jack Blackness. Yeah. <laughs> like he wasn't he wasn't going full tenacious D uh, in his vo vocal performance. But yeah, um, I mean, it looked cute. I still don't think I'm going to see this movie like when it comes no. out. I'll watch it when it's available on stream. If I have a free day, I might go see it with my nieces, my, with my niece and nephews. But I wouldn't go see it on my own. Um, also, I'm going to get some hate. I I don't hate Chris Pratt as Mario. When I watch the trailer, I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, <laughs> mm. That's just me. Yeah, I I just yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, to be fair, though, I also have, even though I am fully aware of who Mario is, obviously you can't be even remotely interested in games and not know it. Um, I I have owned very few Mario based games because I didn't have the major consoles where Mario played a big part. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the original NES or the SNES or SNES, if you like. Uh, I had the Nintendo 64, but I never had Mario 64. So like, I don't have as 
deep and nostalgic connection to the character as some other people do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A few more stories to go through. Uh, This next one I put in our show notes that my husband couldn't know about this, but he already does. Uh, Enter the Gungeon is making an arcade cabinet. They actually announced it a few years ago. And some people thought it got scrapped, but it is coming out and it's going to cost nearly $6,000. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar with this game. Can you tell me a bit about it? Oh yes. Enter the Gungeon is like, um, it's, uh, what's, what's Hades? What that kind of game? Uh, oh, so uh, you a mean roguelite. Like a, a, yeah. Roguelite. Yeah. It's like a roguelite. It's a roguelite game where you go through as this little dude and you pick up different guns and you shoot, and everything's like a gun pun. Um, and you shoot bullets. So gu- it's gungeon because it's a gun dungeon. Yes. But Got it's it. it's like there's a uh, rapid fire raptor, the Gatling gull, which is a super buff dude with like a bird head. Um, mm. <laughs> um, it's very clever and it's very funny. Um, and it's just a you go through multiple times and you shoot and you, you know, you it resets each time and there's not really a good save, but like you can, you can level up. So each time you go through, you've leveled up and, you know, get better guns and stuff like that. Um, but surprisingly, my husband doesn't even like guns and he absolutely loves this video game. Uh, Mm. both of them that have come out, but I do think that, you know, being the good responsible partner that he is, we probably will not spend $6,000 on an arcade cabinet. We might go to North Carolina to play it because there are uh, going to be versions of it at various arcades as well. So it's a little bit higher end, obviously by the price point, but also by the build than a one-up cabinet. Yeah. I have, um, I have thought about getting an arcade cabinet, probably more like a MAME machine for, uh, uh, my little, my little house in the middle of nowhere. But, um, I, you know, it's hard. I, it's hard for me to justify it. It's an expense. And, um, I haven't, I've never pulled the trigger on it, but I've thought about it because like, uh, I like a lot of classic games. And so I've thought mm-hmm. about doing that, being able to play all these older games that otherwise I wouldn't have access to. But for a brief while, I was looking at getting a pinball machine and $6,000 is a lot for an arcade ga- t- cabinet, but it's nothing compared to what pinball machines cost. And I very quickly c- talked myself out of getting a pinball machine. I mean, like it can it can be a fun item that you save up for. I, we have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, one up arcade and we play it occasionally and kids really love playing it when they come over. But we don't use it $6,000 worth. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are usually in the hundreds of dollars, right? Like that's like typically sub Mm $1,000. If you're getting a main cabinet, like one that has potentially hundreds of games on it, which by the way, gets into dodgy legal territory too. uh, That's usually between a thousand and $2,000 for most of them, unless you're going like all out. And then if you want a pinball machine, you're looking at eight to $13,000. It's crazy. Pinball machines are so cool, but I would not want to deal with the upkeep. Um, Yeah, no, you'd have to do lots and lots of maintenance on it to keep it in playable condition. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of playing games, magic, the gathering, Oh boy, (laughs) has a Lord of the Rings set. And one of the things that they've done with this Lord of the Rings set is they've made one, the one ring card. They're all- yeah, to be to be clear, there are multiple the one ring cards, but there's one variant of which there is 
just one period it that's it one version of it in the world one out of one it says on the card itself but this is this is a variant so they will be other the one rings and i want to say that in case we have any listeners out there who one day are opening up a, a a booster pack and they have a one ring and they totally lose their mind you need to check that it says <laughs> and see if it has that 001 out of 001 because if that's the case you'd best put that sucker in plastic and plan out your retirement and buy a bank you, vault. you have hit the jackpot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting concept and I would never want to play with that card if I got it. No, no, no. I mean, this is, so I, I have mixed feelings about these kinds of things. Like, uh, I think, I mean, from, from the producer side, it totally makes sense, right? Because you are going to, inspire a ton of people to drop a ton of money on your product. People are going to be buying up booster packs like crazy in a, in the hopes of being the one to get the one. Uh, so I totally get it from that perspective as a player. It would, and I'm not, but if I were a player, this sort of thing would kind of get under my skin because turning the thing that you enjoy playing into a collectible discourages you from actually using the thing that you're buying. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of don't like that too much. Um, and if you did use it, then you would be inviting the rest of the community to criticize you for using Mm -hmm. something that they see as being a one of the kind valuable card. Yeah. So there's no winning really. Yeah. Yeah. You get the one ring and you lose, but that's kind of like the story. So, um, yeah, you got to go chuck it in your nearest volcano. Yep. Uh, speaking of chucking things. Yeah, right into the volcano. Yeah, we're not getting a season two of Willow, which is sad, but I'm also not surprised because I watched Willow more because I wanted to like it than because I actually liked it. Mm, that's a that's a tough criticism right there. That's a tough review. Mm. Uh, I I have not watch the willow series i love the film i loved it when i was a kid and uh i still enjoy it today even though like you know you can watch that movie and you can recognize that it is not by any stretch the perfect fantasy film but it has lots of fun elements to Mm -hmm. it Uh, i have a niece who's named after a character in willow so this is like a a film that means a lot in my my immediate family uh, but I hadn't watched the series yet. And I, even though I hadn't watched it, I was sad to hear this news because uh, I would love to see a, a fantasy series that's based off an original IP. Mm-hmm. That's not based off like a, an existing book series or something or a spinoff of something that was from a book series that kind of has the freedom to create its own mythology. And that's kind of what Willow was. Yeah. And it's a shame that that's not going to get a chance at a longer life. I So I agree. And, and even though my criticism was harsh, there were things that I liked about Willow. I thought the actors were great. Um, I liked a lot of uh, the, like the, the costuming, which it, well, a lot, not all. Some of it just felt very out of place for me. And maybe that was the point, but they didn't make it clear that was the point. So you just sat there wondering. So like, in the middle of one of the episodes in the middle of this season, you come across a couple of people and they're in like blue jean prospector gear. 
It's the only time you see it in the show. Everybody else is in this like weird mix of fantasy, medieval, uh, knight's tale kind of punk esque clothing. Mm-hmm. And th- this is the like it veers from it. Like the you see it in a trailer. The brownies wearing graphic tees. I'm fine with, but for some reason, these people in this like 1800s jean getup just felt out of place to me. Maybe it was the point. It wasn't. Cl- it wasn't made clear. But the big problem I had with Willow is they had so many good ideas and so many places, concepts for what the show could be that they didn't lean fully into any one of those concepts. And so Mm -hmm. it just felt like they were half committing to a bunch of half ideas. But it had a a lot of potential. And I would really love if you watch it, Jonathan, for you to give your opinion, because you might have a completely different opinion. The the actors were phenomenal. and there were bits mm. of the story that were great. And I would have watched a second season. I just, it, it, it felt like they, like half of it wanted to be Game of Thrones and it felt like half of it wanted to be Knight's Tale. And you got to either commit to one or to both or whatever. And if you want all of these different yeah. areas of your fantastical world to be completely different genres, that's also fine. You just have to commit to it and you have to build that understanding into your story. Yeah, that's tough because like, you know, how do you set up the tone of your show to so that you're not constantly alienating your audience, right? Yeah. Like if people are tuning in because, oh, this is scratching that Game of Thrones itch uh, and, you know, I, I bounced off House of Dragons for some reason, uh, then you'd be upset whenever it would move to something more adventure and lighthearted. Meanwhile, if you're into the adventure lighthearted stuff, you might say like, why is this tur- turning into a grim game of Thrones episode? Yeah. Um, you know, you really run the risk of alienating your audience that way. So it's a shame because again, I never want a, a project to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I often will, you know, find fault with a project or, or decide that it's not for me, but it doesn't mean I wanted to do badly. And, um, certainly would have preferred to have seen this series see great success and continue onward. It's also like, we're also in that era where any series that's going to have semi high to high production value and, and thus have costs like serious costs associated with it. Those shows are going to be on thin ice unless they are just pulling in crazy numbers like last of us i think pulled in crazy numbers yeah so it it's place is pretty much established I, but wheel of time surprisingly did pretty well because they got a second season but yeah yeah it's I mean, you start to also wonder how much of that is sunken cost fallacy yeah. <laughs> where you've got a studio saying well we can't back off now because we already poured so much money into it so we need to do at least one more season yeah um but yeah, it's a it's a bummer. Uh, not again, not terribly surprised. Disney went so hard in streaming that and then, you know, the the financial showed that they came up way short when it came to costs versus revenue. I'm not surprised that this happened, mm-hmm. but it's still a bummer. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, the number of successes to the number of failures Disney has had and I wouldn't even call Willow a failure. Um, again, I think you should watch it, Jonathan, and I want to hear your opinions okay. once you do. Um, I Because you might absolutely love it. I know some people who absolutely did, and I had fun. It just wasn't 
everything I had built up in my mind for it to be, I guess. Um, sure. You know, but the amount of successes Disney has had to the amount of failures is really remarkable. Um, Cause I, they've had a lot more successes than failures. I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I mean, we're kind of talking about artistic success. Yeah. Whereas like when you're talking about financials, it's a totally different argument. Like even if it is artistically a great achievement, if you are spending twice as much as you're bringing in, you can't sustain that. That's, That's just, you know, you're going to, you're, you're, you're throwing money in a hole, even if it's a very pretty hole, it's still yeah. a hole. Um, and just to make abundantly clear, if they ever do come back with a, willow second season and need to cast someone in my age age and rate uh, look type range i would 1000 bazillion percent do it and not just because i like acting because i do think it would be fun um yeah and if they ever need someone to dress up like a girl scout which as we all know is just a grown-up brownie i'm your dude <laughs> uh we have one last trailer we want to talk about which is ruby gilman teenage kraken yeah, and this is funny because we could have put this right after the new Little Mermaid trailer story, yep. and they would have, you know, dovetailed together. But instead, we're bookending. They they would have started a battle on our spreadsheet that uh, would never have ended. Yeah. So, um, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. It's an animated film, and I told Ariel that to me it feels like it's what if Ursula was the good guy and Ariel was the bad guy in the Little Mermaid? That's Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, and. And you felt like I was kind of on the right track with that, right? I felt like you were exactly on the right track with that. It's a mermaid and a kraken who are pretending to be humans. Well, I don't really either of them look like humans uh, at a school. And then they get into a fight and the mermaid is evil and the kraken is good. And the kraken has superpowers. And then they both turn into like Godzilla type creatures. Um, yeah, kaiju. <laughs> yeah, they turn into to kaiju. And... That is that. And Jonathan's like, is this DreamWorks just throwing shots at Disney? Because if so, it's getting old. <laughs> well, yeah, because like I think back to Shrek and I, I get it. Shrek is beloved by an entire generation. I don't understand you <laughs> people who are who love Shrek. I don't. I do not understand you. Uh, but to be fair, I was older when Shrek came out and I recognized that Shrek in many ways was designed to be an FU <laughs> to Walt Disney World animation that they were calling out Disney because I mean there's a whole backstory to it where the guy who founded DreamWorks uh was he had an axe to grind against Disney. He had previously worked as an executive at Disney. And so they built in these these insults and jabs at Disney into their animated features. And uh like if you if you strip that stuff out then and just made a really fun story, I think I would like it more. But because I could detect the hostility that was underneath the stories, I just didn't sit well with me. I mean, not to yeah. say that the not to say that the disputes weren't justified. Right. I'm not mm -hmm. saying anything about that. It's just that. To work your gripe into a franchise of animated films feels petty to me, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's still going on now. And that the fact that this movie is coming out around the same time that we're getting the live action Little Mermaid, and it does feel like it's Little Mermaid, but turn on its head, just makes me kind of 
think that it's back to that, that model of, you know, rather than trying to tell our own stories and outdo Disney that way, we're going to outdo Disney by taking their stories and then inverting them. And uh, I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. um, You know, it, it, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, they're, Kids always like mermaid stories and crack. Well, well, here's the thing, though, Ariel, like the actual trailer, I think looks great. Mm -hmm. I think the movie looks great. Like if you were able to completely divorce it from any sort of potential comment on the Little Mermaid film, I think like it looks sweet. It looks cute. It looks funny. Like the mermaid character is like an Instagram celebrity type. It's it's got a lot of elements to it that I'm like, this is really clever and I like it. It's only when you get to the meta of the movie where I start getting uncomfortable. But yeah. the movie itself, I actually think it looks really good. Yeah. Uh, well, if you listeners out there think that the movie also looks really good, or if you think no harm, no foul, you should write us and tell us. Jonathan, how can they do that? Well, first, what you're going to have to do is book yourself on a journey on a vessel, a three-masted ship. She'll be called the Leaky Bucket. And you'll set to sea, and on the third day, your compass will be turning each way with no knowing which way is north or south. And you'll continue to sail right into a giant fog bank. And in the middle, you'll hear that all the sound deadens. At that point, at the top of your lungs, scream out your question to the heavens, and the fog will part. And you'll see me sitting on an island, and I'll say, you didn't have to yell so loud, you lubbered and then i'll answer it you lubbered uh if that's too much for you you can reach out to us on social media on facebook instagram and discord we are large nerd drunk collider on twitter we're lnc underscore podcast uh you can also email us at large pod at gmail.com um i have been a bit behind in getting our show notes up but i will do so early next week and if you need an invite to the Discord, you can email us at largenerdrawnpod at gmail.com, and I will send that out to you as soon as I am humanly possible. We've loved hearing from you guys, and we love that you're a part of our geeky community. Thank you so much. And until next time, I have been Jonathan, there's seaweed in the underwears, Strickland. And I have been Ariel, there's a microphone in my tissue box, Kasten. Which is they true. Didn't even talk about that. No, but there it's true because it, I, my microphone's in a tissue box today. It, it is true. Okay. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. 